This is LEC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. I want you to open your Bibles with me today to the book of Acts. I know that we are starting and we are beginning a series that we are calling 40 Days in Philippians. So it sounds odd for me to tell you that I want you to turn to the book of Acts, but I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16 because that's where the church at Philippi started. And we're going to look at that today. But, but uh, this, this great book is going to be a part of us for the next several weeks. And, and I, I want you to hear my heart when I say this. I want so much for you. I don't want anything from you. Don't ever assume that or believe that. That's never been my agenda. I don't want anything from you. What I want is for you. I want so much for you. And as I've been studying now the past number of months, getting ready for this sermon series, I'm just so desirous that we go as deep as we can allow ourselves to go. I hope that you read the book of Philippians until you can almost quote it. There's only four chapters. There's not that many verses, but there's so much here. And the more that I study it, the more that I see our precious church right in the middle of this book. I hope you see it today. But as we go forward, I hope that you see what God is saying, that you sense what God is saying to our church uh, out of this book. What I don't want for you what I told the worship team earlier today is that if we're not careful, we become professional churchgoers. We come to church, we sing our three songs, we get our Bible lesson, and then we go on with our life. And we're never changed by what happens here. We're not affected. It's, it's like we've checked off that list of something we need to do, like pick up milk and bread at the grocery, go to church. But are we affected? In fact, the question has to be asked. When was the last time that you walked out of a service and said, Lord, this week I'm going to be obedient to the plan to do what I heard this morning? And I think all of us need that reminder. I don't want us to have three songs in a Bible lesson. I want God's Word to penetrate our heart and affect us, change us, stir us up, encourage us. The book of Philippians uh, is, a, is a great book, and a lot of people will tell you it's a book about joy. Well, it is, and it isn't. It's mentioned 16 times Paul talks about joy and rejoicing or some variation of that, but it's, it's far more than that. This is a letter written by a man, a, a preacher, who was thanking people who started out with him and supported him in ministry. In fact, he will say to them, you were the only church that responded to our need. And he wanted the church at Philippi to know that he had not forgotten the investments that they had made in his ministry and in his time. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. And I hope that God does something very special uh, in your heart. Now, Philippi is on the coast of Greece. How Paul got to Philippi is interesting. In fact, if you will do this, I hope that you will. Go back and read Acts 16 from the very beginning and you will discover that he had started out with Barnabas from Antioch 
chapter 13 of Acts. And they had been traveling and they had been planting churches all over Asia Minor. And at the end of chapter 15, he and Barnabas go a separate way. Barnabas takes John Mark and goes on another journey. And Paul picks up Silas. And in, in the early parts of chapter 16, he picks up Timothy that we talked about back a, a number of months ago. So in this traveling ministry team, you have Paul, you have Silas, you have Timothy, and you have Luke, of course, who wrote the book. Uh, and they are traveling to the churches that they have started and they're encouraging people. And, and the narrative says God is blessing and encouraging the people from their visits. Paul is so sensitive to being led by the Spirit. In fact, two different times when Paul was maybe desiring to go to this town or whatever, the Bible would say the, whole, the Spirit forbade us or, or the Spirit discouraged us from going. And so Paul consistently testing it, making sure that he's doing what God wants him to do. He was being led by the Spirit. We talked about this two weeks ago, that we want to be a church that's led by the Spirit. And what does that mean? It means that we have surrendered our will and allowing God to direct us and send us wherever He might want to send us. And that's the kind of life that God wants you to live. He wants you to live a life that is directed by Him. You know, you know I, I think sometimes that we mistakenly think that salvation is all we do. We just give our hearts to the Lord and that's it. No, no, that's just the starting point. You give your heart to God. You for, ask God to forgive your sins and He does. But that's just the beginning. From there, you surrender yourself and you allow God to work in you and through you. And that's what Paul did. He was like a sailboat. He would throw those sails up and wherever the Spirit led him. As you read through, what you discover is here's a man who is so desirous that his life would only be what God wanted it to be, that nothing else mattered to him. Later on, in about three weeks, we're going to get into what that felt like for him. But in this particular story, in Galatians chapter 2, and Andrew will put the scripture up. Here's what he said. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live by saying, it's not me that's living, it's Christ who's living through me. God is, is working through my life and, and I am a representative of Jesus Christ in this world. So for a few moments this morning, I, wanna, I want you to look in Acts 16. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 16. We'll start in verse 13. They'll put the scriptures up for you as we go. But I want you to see three people that Paul met uh, in, in Philippi when he got there and all three of these are very important and they speak to our church. I hope you can see that as we go along that what God is doing, he is speaking to LEC in the story of these three people. Let's look at the first one. It's in verse 13. It's a woman named Lydia. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. So Paul shows up where there's a group of women down by the river in Philippi 
and they are praying. They've got their DVD set up. They're listening to Shelley Fleming teach the scripture to them down by the river. River. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira. That's a neighboring city. A merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with other members of her household and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. So Lydia is a businesswoman, a well-to-do businesswoman, a sophisticated lady. She's down by the river praying with these women and she's seeking something. She's looking for something that she doesn't yet have. She, she's trying to understand faith and she's open to the gospel, isn't she? She's opened the gospel. This strange man steps up and he begins to speak to them. And the Bible said the Lord opened her heart and she began to accept what Paul was speaking. Now, don't miss that. She's open to the gospel and she's seeking to understand. Let's keep going. Verse 16. Now we're going to meet a slave girl. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer... We met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you... <clears throat> in the name of Jesus, to come out of her. And instantly, it left her. So the second person is a slave girl, a broken girl, who is being exploited by business people. This girl is demon-possessed, and in this demon possession, there's a spiritualism in her that she uses to tell people's fortunes, and she charges for it, and the money goes to these people who she works for. So here she comes out when, when Peter, when, when Paul and, and Silas and the team are going to prayer, she starts following them. And the Bible said, Luke says, she starts crying out with a voice, these men are, are servants of the Most High God and they have come to tell you how to get saved. It's just weird. A demon-possessed girl telling people about Paul, I don't, I don't, I can't explain it. I don't, there's no need to walk up here after church and say, explain that to me because I can't explain it to you. I don't know. What I do know is that this girl is vexing Paul because day after day after day, she's saying the same thing. And at some point, Paul turns around, he casts the devil out of this girl and everything in her life changed. The moment that she is delivered, she is changed. Now, she, she's a broken girl being used by other people, and she needs somebody in her life that can guide her to the truth. She, she runs into Paul because, remember now, Paul is being led by the Spirit. 
And God is leading Paul to the conversations and the places where God can use his life. You see, Paul saw every day as an opportunity to be used of God. He saw every day as an opportunity that he could tell somebody about Jesus. He could be a blessing to somebody. He could help somebody who was in trouble. When was the last time that you got up and said, today, God, make me a blessing today. Lead me into a conversation where somewhere I can tell somebody about Jesus today. I, I do that from time to time. I will say, God, today, let Jesus come up in a conversation that I'm having with someone today so that I can tell them about Jesus. That's what's happening here with Paul. Let's look at the third one. Let's pick it up in verse 25. About midnight. Now, here's what's happened. When these, when the men that own this slave girl find out that they can no longer use her because the demon possession has been driven out of her, she's not going to be any good to them anymore. They grab Paul and Silas and drag them in the marketplace and they tell the Roman citizens of Philippi that <clears throat> these men have come into our city and they're trying to change us. They're trying to make something out of us that we were not going to be. And the Bible said that they were arrested, they were beaten, and they were put into prison. And they were given charge. Verse 24 says, a jailer that we're calling Blue Collar Joe a jailer is given the responsibility. Pick it up in 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Did you get that? They are singing in a place where they have just been beaten. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and the doors immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner fell off. 27, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. 29, the jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here's a man who's a nine to fiver, gets up every day, goes to work, does his job, does the best he knows how to do it. Faithful, hardworking guy. He's got no issue with Paul and Silas. They show up in his jail just because somebody else has determined that they're to be there. All he's got to do is take care of them. But he's a man that is overwhelmed by the circumstances around him. And he feels the pressure of life and all the things that are taking place. And when the earthquake takes place, he jumps to the conclusion that his life is a wreck and it's out of control. And he decides to make an emotional choice that he's just going to end his own life. Thank God Paul was there. Because Paul told him, said, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. And Paul is able to tell him how to be saved. And not only does he tell him how to be saved, but if you continue to read, that night every member of his family got saved and every member of the family got baptized. Now we baptize here around 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. They baptized at 3 in the morning. They baptized the whole family in the middle of the night. These three people are talking to our church. Now let's think about it a minute. 
Here's a sophisticated businesswoman from a neighboring town who is open to the gospel, who's seeking to understand that runs into Paul and is saved. Here's a broken girl used and abused by people who take advantage of her for their own benefit who runs into Paul and is delivered from her demonic possession and set free so that she can be a part of what God wants. Here's a blue-collar, hard-working man who is emotionally driven and almost made a terrible mistake. But God rescued him. And God saved him. And these three people are talking to us today. What do we learn? And we'll do this very quickly. Come on, Jerome, get ready to play. Number one, good churches are made up of imperfect people. This is how the church at Philippi got started. And I thought it was a good place for us to start because in order to understand why Paul would say some of the things that he said, you've got to know where Paul's been. He's been traveling with these folks. He he knows their stories. He knows where they've been. He understands what they've gone through. That's why he could say in chapter 1, he said, every time I think about you, I give glory to God. You carry a special place in my heart because I know that we are partners together for the cause of Christ. When you know people, when you've done life with them, Shelly loves to say at LEC, we're doing life together. When when you've done life with people, there's something about that that draws you closer together. And that's what makes for a great church. This isn't a good church because it's got a building. This is not a great church because it has good music or a cool music director. I'm not sure why she shouted that out. (laughs) You know what makes this a good church? Because we've all been saved from the places that we were. We're imperfect people. Anybody here perfect? I'd like to shake your hand. I've never shook the hand of a perfect person before. No perfect people. We're all imperfected. We've all got our issues. We've all got our problems. We've all been saved from the terrible mess of our life that we once had. And that's the way it was with these people. You know, folks say, well, I couldn't go to that church. Those people over there, they're not like me. Oh, yes, they are. They're just like you. They're just like you. The color of their skin may be different, but they're just like you. Their economic situation may be different, but they're just like you. All three of these people have the same thing in common. They're lost. They're lost. And only Jesus can change that dynamic in their life. A church full of imperfect people. You know, I think sometimes what happens to us, and this is not a good thing, I think some of us forget how lost we actually were. You know, in the last service, a man walked up to me after service who, who's attended here. I, I just didn't know his story. And I asked him for permission if I could tell it, and I wasn't going to tell it in this service, but I've decided I will. He said, I was raised up in the church. And he said, I didn't, I didn't think all that was real. He said, I'd come to church with my family, and folks would be singing and shouting and carrying on. And, 
I didn't think it was real. He said, when I got old enough, I started doing the bars and I started drinking and carrying on and doing things that my mama didn't want me to do. And he said, one night after I had been out to the bar and I came home that night, he said, instead of going in the house, he said, I went down into the park near our house. And he was so emotional telling me this story, he could hardly get through his tears. He said, I just looked up in the heavens and I said, God, I got to know if you're real. Because if you're not real, I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to live my life anymore. Because I'm so miserable. I'm so miserable chasing these other things. He said that next morning was Sunday and I had promised my mother I would go to church. And so I came to church over on Call Road. And he said the pastor of that service that day called for people that wanted to pray. And he said, I walked up to the front. He said, I stood over on that side over there. He said, a member of my family walked up there and put their hand on my shoulder. And he said, Brother Isaacs, he said, that family member began to speak in the Holy Ghost. And when she got through speaking in the Holy Ghost, she translated that tongues. And here's what she said. Son, I'm more real than you can imagine. He said, Pastor, I knew that was God answering my question. That in fact, I was real. He's real. He said, I, I haven't stopped serving the Lord ever since. Because you know, the, the other thing that I want to tell you today, good churches are a reflection of the fact that God will find you wherever you are. At three o'clock in a playground somewhere near Perry, Ohio, God showed up for that man. We've got people in our church that God saved them in prison. We got people in our church who were saved in a homeless mission. We got people that have been saved right here in these altars. Stephanie Ingram got saved in a phone call. It doesn't matter how you got saved. Just that you got saved. And everybody's testimony is different. You see, I, I thank God every day that I get to be your pastor. I don't deserve this. I didn't come looking for it. God knows I didn't. I wasn't trying to be a pastor. I, I thought that part of my life was over. But when I come here on Sunday mornings, and these guys are singing and I'm looking out over this congregation. I know the stories. I know the places where God caught you from. I know where some of you were when God found you. I was driving back from the church yesterday and I was listening to a song. It's, it's a contemporary song, but they had worked the words of an old hymn into the song. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Mama Coates, I've heard that song my whole life something yesterday that captured me. It says, I once was lost, 
but I'm found now. That's my story. Not my lostness. My story is that I was found. I once was blind. I can see. If you see me and you think I'm doing pretty well, I can take no credit for it. I can take no credit. It was grace. God will find you wherever you are. I have a friend who lives in New Orleans. I met him while I was the overseer there. He's an evangelist. He's a John the Baptist guy. I won't take the time to tell you how I met him, but one day we were together and he told me, he said, I was down in the French Quarter. I was down on Bourbon Street. And he said, I was standing at a red light and right across the street from me was a man who was standing there with a, a woman who was probably 20 years younger than him. I didn't know what to assume or to suspect. He had an army trench coat kind of thing on. He was waiting for the light to change. And he said, Pastor Bill, God spoke to me. And told me, he said, walk across that street and tell that boy, I know where you are. And he said, we started across the street. When the light changed, we got right in the middle. And I said, hey, listen. I need to tell you something. The man said, huh? Who are you? He said, I'm Evangelist Troy Bond. God wanted me to tell you he knows where you are. What? God told me to tell you he knows where you are. He said, man, began to cry. They got over to the side of the road. He found out this woman was a girlfriend, was not his wife. He told him, he said, you have to turn loose. She's got to go. God's calling you, man. God found you where you were, right on this street. And he was so broken. He was so convicted in that moment. They talked. He prayed. God saved the man. He said to Troy, he said, what do I do next? Troy said, I'm going to give you a Bible. I want you to start reading the book of John. Just read as long as you can read. And as soon as you run into something you don't understand, here's my card. You call me. He gave him the card. The girl had already gone. The man took the Bible and he walked on his way. It was probably three or four in the morning when they had had that conversation. Troy said, I had just gotten back to my house about six or seven I just laid down. I hadn't been asleep but a few minutes and my phone rang. And the guy said, Preacher, can you come to my house? He said, I can. He said, I just ran into something I don't understand. He said, I got over there and he said, I could tell that he had pushed the coffee table up back. He'd been down on his knees with that Bible I'd given him on that coffee table. There were tissues laying around. I said, what was it? He said, I've already read all the way through the book of John. 
And he said, I got over here in this book here, I think it's called Acts. I started reading over there and he said, I was reading the second chapter. And he said, I don't know if I had a seizure or what, but he said, all of a sudden I started talking in a different language. Troy said, that's the Holy Ghost. God has filled you with the Holy Ghost. God will find you right where you are. My encouragement to you today is this. Stop running. Stop running. You'll never be happy until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Until you make Him Lord of your life and like the Apostle Paul, you allow Him to live through you and in you. Let's bow our heads to pray today. Father, I want to thank You for Your Word that has spoken in our hearts today. You know us. You understand us. You know where we are I pray, Heavenly Father, now that your word will find its lodging in our hearts. If there's a person who doesn't know you in this room today, somebody watching me online today that doesn't know Jesus Christ, help our hearts to be open like Lydia's heart was opened to what was being said. Jesus name every head bowed every eye closed for just a moment if you're in this room and you do not know Jesus Christ if you're watching me today and you do not know Jesus Christ I I guess the most important question is why not why not now There isn't anything that you could do that would make you more ready than right now. The message has been preached. The door is now open. And the Lord invites you to make that decision. If you're here today and you would like to know the Lord Jesus, you'd like to accept Jesus into your heart, hold up your hand right where you are. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Maybe you're watching online right there in that comment section. Just type it. Some of our team will see it. We want to pray with you today that you might know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Everybody in the room, would you stand with me, please? Everybody stand. We're going to pray a prayer that we pray almost every Sunday now. It's a simple prayer. And if you don't know Christ, you can pray these words that are on the screen. And if you mean them, if they are sincerely the expression of your heart, God will hear that. He'll forgive you. Pray this prayer with me now. God, I am a sinner. I am sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe you will forgive me of my sins. I choose Jesus. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer and you sincerely meant it, He just forgave you. He just forgave you. And I'm excited for you to make that next step. I want to help that with you. I want to help you with that. When the service is over, let somebody know. Reach out. Let us know so that we can make that next step with you. I'm so thankful that God has given us this time uh, together. Pastor Dustin, where are you? All right, he's probably occupied. I'll, I'll go ahead and close us out. I'm so glad you came to be with us today. Thank you. Yeah, here he comes. Come on, Pastor Dustin. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.